You're listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast with Ian Knockholds and Tom Hiscott. Episode 26 of the Toolstation Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I am delighted to welcome onto the line a bleary-eyed Tom Hiscott. Hello, Tom. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well, thanks. How about yourself? I'm all right. You've been burning the uh, the midnight oil, haven't you? You've been um, <laughs> you've been indulging your other love, American football. Indeed, yeah. So obviously Super Bowl uh, took place on Sunday night. Uh, yeah, bit of a late finish. Not the greatest of games. Bit low. I think lowest scoring ever. I think they mentioned. So um, I think it was almost the opposite last year. So we had our yeah big big success story last year, and this was a bit more. Yeah, a bit more subdued, a bit more underwhelming, but yeah, so a late night, and yeah, obviously the last game of the season, so it was uh, probably worth sticking about for. Um, I know, I've, I've, I'm a bit of a fan of the old um, American football, you know, on occasion, um, and uh, it's always quite entertaining to see um, somebody the age of Tom Brady um, yeah. still doing still doing his stuff and securing securing the headlines. I mean, how did how did he get on last night? Probably wasn't his his best game, but he came up. Came up top dog at the end um, when needed to, and it's probably yeah, pretty much how he's done it most of his career. And that was his sixth Super Bowl win, so yeah, he's um, going to lay claim to being the greatest of all time now, I think, and I don't think many could argue with that. So uh, yeah, quite a, quite a, quite a, quite an incredible career, really. Yeah, as you say, I think 41, and yeah, still, still at the top of the game, so yeah, really impressive. Well, of course, anybody listening to this thinking, why on earth are we talking about American football and not Western League football? You could be mistaken, of course, for not realising just how many cancellations we had at the weekend um, because of the weather. But actually, in fairness, there was still some very, very important football that was played, which we will be talking about later in this podcast. But we will go back to our usual fare of, um, of Western League football, probably with slightly more emphasis than we normally have on the midweek games. And there was quite an interesting midweek game on January the 29th between um, two sides that um, I think on their day are pretty formidable, Bitten and Bridport, Tom. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Bitten uh, did really well at the moment, obviously up towards the fresh ones of the table. And this was a well last week was a, a seventh successive Premier Division uh, win. They managed to, to beat Bridport three-one uh, despite having a, a first half red card. I think uh, Ben Harris uh, put the home side ahead uh, just after the half hour, so a bit going into the lead. Uh, but then just two minutes later, Josh Egan was uh, dismissed. Uh, so yeah, very much give give Bridport an opportunity to, to fight back, uh, and they did, taking advantage of the extra man. Uh, Twenty minutes from time, managing to, to get level on on the score sheet through Declan Cornish uh, but then Bitten managed to, to go again and uh, yeah scored twice in the in the final 15 minutes uh, it was Dean Griffiths uh, from the spot after he was fouled uh, in the area managed to dust himself down and beat the uh, beat the Bridport keeper uh, and then it was Asa Corrick who's doing pretty well at the moment I think that was his second second goal uh, in two games uh, and yeah handing Bitten another win unfortunately that was uh, yeah, six, six defeats in eight now I think it's for Bridport in the league so uh, yeah and uh, again against 10 men for, for quite a long period so Bitten definitely the happier uh, with the 3-1 win last Tuesday Now moving on to Wednesday it was a close run thing between Cadbury Heath and Chipping Sodbury Town Tom Yeah indeed uh, points were shared there uh, down at Springfield uh, Simon McElroy uh, he managed to, to get on the score sheet for, for Cadbury Heath and it was George Box and he scored for a little while uh, so yeah, back among the goals for, for Chipping Sodbury and obviously he'll be, he'll be pretty crucial if they're to, to, to make a good 
good festival over the second half of the season. So, yeah, one uh, will draw that between Cadbury Heath and Chipping Sudbury. Well, if it was a close-run thing between um, Cadbury Heath and Chipping Sudbury, then we, certainly, we can certainly say that it wasn't in the match between Roman Glass and Plymouth Parkway. No, indeed. Uh, just the 8-0 uh, win for, for Plymouth Parkway. You don't usually see many uh, away teams scoring eight. So, yeah, quite a... Quite an impressive uh, performance from from Parkway, and obviously one man in particular, Jordan Anier. Uh, yeah, pretty pretty stunning performance from the young man. I think he scored four goals. Well, he did score four goals. Uh, he scored the first four goals as well, and was taken off, uh, substituted. So uh, yeah, given a bit of a rest. Uh, he had a hat trick before half time, uh, and then added yeah added his fourth soon after the interval uh, before getting that well deserved rest. Uh, and then there was yeah further goals uh, from Adam Carter, Aaron Bentley, and then also a brace from Mike Smith. So uh, yeah, uh, very one-sided down there, and it was eight uh, 0 as we say. So, so from the front line, they're looking uh, yeah finding some really good form. Now we move on to really the um, it would have been the meat and the drink of any um, of any podcast that we do because it's the FA Vars. It's the fifth round. Will and Rovers, of course, as we know, was our sole representative side still in that competition. Uh, it was an epic match, Tom. A fifth-round victory uh, over Deeping Rangers, 3-2. Uh, coming from behind on a couple of occasions during the first half. Uh, so, yeah, Scott Mooney scoring uh, two goals for the visitors uh, during, the, during the opening half hour. But Willem managed to uh, hit back on both occasions. Obviously, we know them this season scoring a fair few goals. And, uh, yeah, that didn't let up on Saturday afternoon. Uh, Brett Warby scoring the first of their equaliser. And then Angus Wilson just before half-time. Uh, so yeah, went in level at the break, uh, and then it was just one goal after after half time. Unfortunately, that went the way of Willand. Uh, Dean Stamp, and uh, yeah, 15 minutes from time, and uh, yeah, they managed to hold out and uh, book a book a spot in the last eight. So an absolutely fantastic performance from Willand, and uh, yeah, their, their season goes from strength to strength. Now that draw has already been made, Tom. What do we know about the side? that Willand will play in the next round. OK, so, yeah, uh, the draw was made on Monday, Monday lunchtime and they play, they host, which is the main, most important thing, I think, uh, they host Cray Valley. That will be on February 23rd, so three weeks uh, last uh, on Saturday. Um, Cray Valley celebrating their 100th season as a club, so, uh, yeah, pretty big big year all round for them. So, obviously, they're you know, a couple of games from, from Wembley, just like our Willand, so... Uh, yeah, certainly a lot at stake, obviously, and they're currently fourth in the, uh, the Southern Counties East Football League, so they're not, not quite the uh, busy heights of Woodland, so maybe not quite as uh, as many wins under their belt this season. Uh, but obviously, to get to get to this stage, they're going to be a, a tough, tough nut to crack. And uh, but yeah, as we say, Woodland getting the home draw that was probably the most important thing that came from came from uh, yeah Monday Monday's draw. The trip for Cray Valley probably isn't quite as onerous as it could have been. They're coming from the Royal Borough of Greenwich. Uh, they're a football club that's based in Altham. And as Tom quite rightly said, they are, of course, ba- um, playing their football in the Southern Counties East Football League. They are fourth. And if we look at their away form, which is probably the most important piece of form that we can look at in their league table, they have won. Ten games. They have drawn one and they have only lost one. So they're a side that has nothing to fear about playing away. But of course, Willand, on this incredible magical run in the FA Vars, are a side that has nothing to fear. 
about playing at home, and at the weekend they were cheered on by a huge crowd. I don't quite know how it ranks in the pantheon of big attendances at Will and Rovers, but one man who does is Mike Mitchell, of course the club chairman. Mike has spoken to us on uh, the last few occasions that Will and have progressed in the FA Vars, and um, I remember speaking to Mike a few weeks ago when he was hoping that they would get a big crowd um, because they obviously needed a few quid behind the bar to make sure that they could pay the travelling expenses of the away side, which is one of the uh, the facts that perhaps is little known about the FA Vars competition. Anyway, Mike Needham are worried, Eddie, because they got 776 people, which is an incredible achievement, possibly helped by Jack Frost. But more importantly, it was a fantastic opportunity for people across the Western League and indeed the southwest of England to come together and support Will and Rovers, which I'm sure everybody at the club will hope that they do when they take on Cray Valley. But um, I started my chat this time round with Mike by talking about that phenomenal attendance and just asking him where it ranked in the all-time big gates that he's known at Will and Rovers. I think it's around about the second biggest we've ever had. We got into the last round of the FA Cup before you went into the first round. Like you know, we played Gosport all year, and I think we had nearly a thousand that day. I'm saying we were lucky is is a, a bit of an understatement. What happened in is um, Friday or Thursday evening, it started to snow. Friday morning, it was about three or four inches all over the pitch. Russell came up here around about half past eight. And he said, are you coming to the club this morning? And I said, yes, I'll be there about 10 o'clock. He said, well, can you come any earlier? I said, yes, if you want me. And yeah, we got up there and he said, well, the only way we're going to get this game on is to clear the snow. We started to clear the pitch. Um, everything else was starting to get ready. We put on on, on social media the, that we needed help. By about midday, there was about well, 25, 30 people down here. That's fantastic, clearing, Mike. Clearing the snow. So we got it off. I think we got a, a, a digger in to, to take it away or to clear it away from the sides of the pitch. Of course, we couldn't get it on, but um, we finished around about 5 p.m. The pitch wasn't in that good a state, but um, we told the ref what, what, what was happening. And we knew at that time... There wasn't going to be a lot on around Devonus Hall. But I was delighted to say, that, I mean, come Saturday morning, and we were getting phone calls from a lot of Western League clubs saying, we'll be down, we'll be down, and, and they did. And like I say, I mean, we had 776 people here, I think. I mean, the support from the other Western League clubs, of course, is fantastic. And I know you you wanted a big gate um, because, of course, we discussed the last time I spoke to you that, that you know you had the um, you had the travel expenses to cover. Let's reflect for a moment on on that sort on those twenty five thirty people who came down to to help clear the pitch. I mean, that's a fantastic effort for a you know for a grassroots football club. It really is speaks volumes, doesn't it, about the uh, about those volunteers. My other half, my wife came up. She she cooked uh, lunch. We had all had everybody had sausage and chips lunchtime, and 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 we got back out there again. And you know, I I, I can't think thank you know the people enough. I mean, it was absolutely brilliant to see, you know, that the numbers that came down here. And of course, we had a pint afterwards, and and it was all systems go at five o'clock. 
I mean, it's a little bit like the Blitz spirit, isn't it, Mike? You had to you had to triumph over that adversity to get the game on. You got the game on, and what an epic encounter it was for you! It was, it was. I mean, they were a good side, and they came down here. They were a big side. Well, had two big centre halves, and they had two big guys at the front. Well, the first quarter an hour, I thought we said, "Oh God!" I mean, we we went one nil down, and then they scored another one, but was offside. My goodness me, I think we're in for it today. <laughs> but we pulled it around. I mean, our guys, I think I said once before in one of these podcasts that it's a little bit different this year. Our guys are putting a lot on the line here this year, and um, they're extremely fit. And the second half, I mean, I think, I, I wouldn't say that it was a game of two halves, but second half, there was, there was only one side in it for me, which is us. Stampy got, got got away from from the centre half, and he was one of the guys that I would like to see with a ball coming against a keeper, and he just slotted it on, which was which was absolutely fantastic. The crowd went wild, and we over the day. I mean, people were still here at ten o'clock. Well, I mean, it was a it was a, a, a fantastic result for you. Of course, it was. Uh, you know, and of course, that the tale of the first half was that you went, you went, you ended up going behind twice, didn't you? And yes, and um, that's right. and coming back, and then and then of course you got the only goal of the second half to take you through. So, I mean, Russell must have said something pretty special in the changing room at half time. I, I think he must have he must have said something. But again, I think that the players takes takes a lot of credit for this for, for, for keeping themselves so fit. Uh, and, and coming through, you know, uh, not very good conditions. I mean, we, we also like to play good football, but um, I think both sides tried to play good football, but with the conditions as it was, we were struggling. Uh, well, I mean, you got the result, and you've 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 gone in. You know, you've gone into the hat for the next round. We'll have a chat about about that. But I mean, you're in the quarterfinals. Have has the club ever been this far in the tournament before? No, that was that was the furthest we got on the last round, and in two thousand and nine, I think we lost to Barwell, the, the team that's gone on now. I think they're in about two or three leagues higher than than us now. <laughs> but we we lost on on a on a replay to Barwell. That that was that was the furthest we we've been in the FA Vols. We we got this uh, London side now, uh, Cray Valley, and and we don't know much about them at the moment. But I mean. I think Russell will sort himself out and he'll find a way of, of trying to beat them. To give them their full name, I believe they're called Cray Valley Paper Mills, which is which yeah. is which yeah. is quite a um, which is, yeah, <laughs> which is a wonderful Cray Valley name. PM, I think it said on the on the on the, on the list, I think, but. Uh, we didn't know if it, they just played in the afternoons, like. <laughs> um, I mean, on a on a serious note, Al, I mean, you must be you must be delighted that the side have got another home draw in the competition. But that's like I said to Russell Saturday. I mean, or Russell said to me as well. Like, you know, anybody home, we can't complain. I mean, there's only eight of us left, and it's got, they all got to be good. So, you know, I mean, we we're expecting a, a tough game. But if we can get through this, then you got two, a two-legger then, which is really into the unknown. Well, uh, we're, we're not going to get ahead of ourselves, but I'll tell you what, what one thing we, we do need to focus on against Cray Valley Paper Mills in that uh, quarterfinal is, wouldn't it be incredible if you are able to get a four-figure gate for that game? Yeah, I, I think, Ian, I think that would be doubtful. I think, you know, with other teams playing around here, I think last Saturday... No one played.
played around us, like you know, and and even in our league, I think there was only one game played in in the both Western League sides, like Western leagues. That uh, Bridgewater was the only team that played, uh, and really, I mean, we had support from everywhere, you know, from all Western League sides that came down here and gave us support, which was brilliant. Well, well, I certainly hope that they do it again. And if it takes another blast of snow, then perhaps both of us will be hoping that Willand <laughs> are able to conjure up what would be definitively the perfect storm. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we got a, we got another game tomorrow night. We play in Shepton Mallet tomorrow night, but at the moment. It is not looking too good out there, and uh, we'll be we'll be lucky to get this going. I think t- tomorrow, but um, well, and we'll try our best. I mean, I've, we've had the groundsmen out there putting the divots and that back, but there's no way that we can get on to do anything with a, with a tractor or a roller or anything like that. Well, we'll keep everything crossed that you can get that game against Shepton. I mean, they'll be a tough test, won't they? I mean, forgetting the oh, sort yes, of the heady yeah. times of the Vars. Yeah, I mean, we still got the league to play for, and that's what that was our main ambition this year was was to you know, get up there with, with the league so we could try to get win promotion. Well, it's this fairy tale cut run that uh, keeps me phoning you up um, for a chat, but I really hope that it continues, Mike. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Congratulations again to everybody at the club. It really is a fantastic yeah. achievement for you, and um, it really is exciting that the Western League continue to be represented in the FA Vars, even at this late stage. Yeah, I'd like to take this opportunity to really to thank everybody that helped on Friday and and really, Saturday, to, you know, we, we tried to steward it as the best we could Saturday, and hopefully we 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 done a good job on it. And, and it's the spirit of the of the side that's getting us through at the moment. They're a little bit different this year than what I've seen before. So, uh, all credit to the lads, you know, and and credit to Russell and and Steely, like you know, which is he got a squad there that. You know, about a 15, 16 squad is doing really well. And my thanks to Mike for his time. Now, Tom, we did have one Premier Division game that managed to beat the weather, didn't we? And it was in Bridgewater. Yeah, indeed. Fantastic uh, effort from all down there. Uh, the ground staff and I'm assuming, yeah, plenty of uh, plenty of volunteers who went down there and, and swept, the, swept the pitch and whatnot and the, the surrounding area. Uh, to get a game on, obviously every other game uh, in the league uh, falling falling foul of the uh, yeah pretty pretty tumultuous uh, uh, weather we had over the weekend and and Friday Friday and Saturday so yeah Bridgewater uh, getting the game on and they managed to get the three points as well uh, hosting Shortwood obviously uh, yeah not having the best seasons and uh, but it was them who who went ahead the away side into a into a surprise six minute lead. Uh, Lewis Bainbridge, I think it was pretty pretty fortunate uh, the way it went in. I think uh, Bridgewater's keeper, Jake Viney, uh, was was taking a kick and it and it hit the uh, hit the rear of Bainbridge and fell into the net. So obviously a, a bit of a setback for Bridgewater. Uh, but managed to get back on level terms uh, from long range. Uh, a curling effort from Mike Duffy uh, just five minutes later. Uh, so they went behind for long. Uh, but then it was uh, yeah, it looked like it was going to remain one-one. It, it stayed that way for much of the match. Uh, before Jack Taylor, uh, obviously the main man this season, uh, he managed to, to come come good, come good at the end. In two minutes in time, he managed to poke home a, a free kick from uh, substitute Joe Swift, and uh, yeah, get the winning goal. I think it was his 51st goal for the club. I think he was celebrating his half century uh, earlier in the week, and uh, yeah, a 51st goal and uh, a winning goal for Bridgewater. Obviously, uh, yeah, they're the only only side in the in the Western League to, to pick up the three points on Saturday afternoon, and uh, yeah, a pretty well. Very healthy crowd down at Fairfax Park as well, which is yeah, very much deserved. 
as I say, to the uh, for the, uh, the volunteers and all the hard work that went in to get that game uh, to go ahead. Boss, we need some supplies for tomorrow. Oh, what's that? It's the helping hand from Tool Station. But it's a... Uh... A hand, yes. It's showing me around the Tool Station website. Nice. Yeah. I've selected paints, cables, sealant and plumbing fittings. I can check up to the minute stock, hit this button, thanks hand, and it's ready to collect in 20 minutes. So get out of the van. Can't the hand? It can't reach the pedals. Fair enough. Click and collect. Another helping hand from Tool Station. Your best mate for the job. Normally at this point we'd move on to looking at the first division but of course there were no first division fixtures at all that could take place this weekend. So I thought this was a valuable opportunity to use one of our interview slots to catch up with an old friend of the podcast, Andrew Hobbs. Um, Andrew of course is uh, an award winning referee in Somerset and um, well I thought it was a good, a good chance to catch up with Andrew and I mean, we normally ask the old managers how, uh, how they think their season's going, so I thought that was probably the best way to start my interview with Andrew and find out, from a referee's point of view, how his season was going. A new season, uh, a new challenge, and I can tell you it's been quite a, a tough challenge so far. Um, tougher games, tougher, tougher opponents, so but I'm learning every, every game, mate. That, that's the main thing that I um, strive to improve on every game I do. First of all, we contacted you because you'd um, received an award last season um, for your refereeing. So for the listeners who aren't necessarily familiar with, um, with your background, can you tell us at what level are you, are you currently refereeing this season? Uh, currently I'm le- uh, level three. So that's anything from uh, the Western League Premier to the Southern League Premier. Is this the highest level you've ever, you've ever refereed at or were you refereeing at this level last season? No, this is the no, this is the highest level. Uh, last year I was at level four and got promoted to level three this season. So this is the highest I've ever been. And the standard of football that you're refereeing now at that's um, you, that's noticeably different. That's providing you with different challenges to the ones that you'd you'd had previously. Yes, yeah, definitely. You you you've got um, definitely a better uh, attitude of player, attitude of play. Um, you've got people on loan from from. Um, uh, championship clubs, football league clubs. So you do see, you do see a lot of players coming through, thinking, "Oh, this is different. Oh, he's good." You know, do you know what I mean? So it's really different to, and sometimes it's really, really good to referee that because all they want to do is play football, and that's great for me. And you're seeing that re- um, that also reflects in their behaviour. Does it on the pitch? Yeah, so, so, I mean, you know, so, some teams, you know, you a lot of frustrations involved in, in decisions you make, but at the end of the day. You just got to get on with it, and eighty percent of the time, uh, Ian, they've been really, really good. I must admit, it's been a pleasure to referee some teams this year, without a doubt. Now, I remember from our previous conversation that one of the benefits you felt you had in terms of your development as a referee was that you were once a player, and of course, that's that's been a hot topic of discussion for a long time in the game because I think plenty of people would like to see more players coming through to referee but forgive me for saying I think you're probably refereeing now at a level that was beyond your days as a player so do you still find your previous experience useful? Yeah of course because you know even though I played at county level um, didn't play never played at western league level but as a player you do you do understand sometimes why players do get a little bit frustrated um, but for me um, I always brief the captains at the start what my game plan is, what I like to do. I like to keep the game flowing. And most of them come on board with it, you know, because they said, give it 20 minutes, see what my game plan's like, see see how you are on a referee, see what I want to do with the game to help you guys 
less whistle, more football. That's the way I want to referee. But it's not always possible, Ian. One of the other areas that I think football fans in particular discuss quite a lot but know relatively little about is how you are actually assessed. So, obviously, um, refereeing at the slightly higher level of the Southern League, I don't know whether that changes the assessment regime, but certainly in the Western League level, will there always be somebody at the game providing you with feedback on your performance? How do, how do, you, get, how do you get rated um, on how you perform week in, week out? Um, obviously, week in, week out, we don't get an assessor on every game. Uh, observers are called now. Um, we get an observer on different sort of games. I've been observed seven times this year already. Um, and then what they do, they come to the game. Uh, the clubs are Both clubs are informed that I have an assessor on the game. Um, he gives me uh, a debrief at the end of the game. Um, he sends his through his report on my game and then gives me a mark um, of what he thinks uh, it's it's rated on the day. Um, but on the day, if there's no assessor, the clubs mark you anyway. So both clubs will mark you out of 100 um, on how they think you performed. And who provides those marks? Is it uh, the, the manager? No, it should be the secretaries of the clubs. Right. So that evidence base, then, the, 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 the marks provided by the secretaries of the clubs and uh, if there is an observer at the game as well, is that the sort of is that the is that the evidence base that's then used to assess whether, um, as happened to you last season, you're able to progress through the ranks and, and, and referee at, uh, at a higher level? Yes, it's a, it's a two way. It's a two way thing. The clubs have input on your on your promotion and your demotion. So, you know, if you finish midway, you're fine. If you finish in the top, you get promoted. If you finish in the bottom half, then there could be a risk of you getting demoted. It's a funny one, isn't it? Because I think that, I mean, I, I um, you know, I, I think even in this interview, my language would suggest it's how you are scored or rated, which sort of suggests a punitive element. But that's not really, or that shouldn't necessarily be the case, should it, Andy? Because actually it's about developing... Um, match officials. So I suppose really the best way of looking at the comments that you receive on your performance should be constructive feedback on how you can improve your performance in uh, in, in future matches. Yes, of course. I mean, the observers now is not an assess assessment. It's an observer there um, to help you develop. Um, if you don't need any development points, and you're going to get a higher mark. If you do get development points, and your mark will be lower. Um, but it is to help you. Um, you know, and then when you haven't got an, an assessor on the game, and you've got to put those comments into your next game to try and improve to when you get next observed, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I so mean, all these things taken into account, the things you need to improve on, you need to be a bit more proactive on certain things in your game, you hope to put that in your next game. It's interesting, isn't it? Because it's one of the areas where um, I know from standing on the terraces that football fans and managers, managers in particular, can be quite... Um, brutal in their assessment of the quality of the match officials and, and it's uh, it's quite an easy criticism to make that, that officials like yourself who are managing who are refereeing at the at the grassroots level are clearly um, not of a of a standard that you know we would perhaps come to expect in the professional game but actually we are universally critical of the referees in the professional game do you think football has do you think the attitude of football and football fans impact uh, towards towards uh, match officials at the highest level of the game impacts upon people like yourself and, and referees who are developing in the in the grassroots of the game 
And uh, some football fans, you know, you, you know, some football fans are really, really good. You know, if you have a game, there's no incidents, and you've had a good game, you you get nothing from the fans. Um, especially me as a referee, um, being on the line in a conference, um, you just you tend as a linesman to get the stick from the fans because the referees in the middle they can't get at him, so the next person they want to get at is the linesman. And you get called all sorts, Ian. I mean, I wouldn't. Say, I'm not going to broadcast what they say to you, uh, but but some comments you think, where have they thought that from? Why are they saying that? Do they really understand the referee's performance? Do they understand what the referee has instructed me to do as a linesman for him, as what I do as my linesman's on the day? So, because they're not allowed to to listen in on that, they probably won't understand why a referee or a linesman is not given a decision because of, based on pretty much. Uh, instructions before the match. Looking at the, I think this was a, co- a question we covered in our first interview, which was sort of looking ahead at this season or looking into this season. Were there any developments? Were there any areas that you were particularly um, that the FA were particularly focusing on clamping ga- clamping down on this season? Yeah, I mean, descent's going to be a big one this year. Um, I've got a, I've got a high tolerance level. Um, I've got to bring that down this year because obviously descent. We're trying to wipe out the game. Dissent for me is a silly booking, right? They're having a go at the officials. They're frustrated. I get that. But at the end of the day, there's only so much you can manage in. And when they overstep the mark, that's got to be dealt with. And that's one thing I'm trying to put into my game this year. I've had to bring my tolerance level down uh, to try and cope with the, the frustration and the dissent from the players. And again, I'm picking up on my own experience of being on the touchlines here. If a, if a referee says to a player, um, can you say that again? or what did you say, or can you repeat that, please? You're not necessarily asking the player to give you a verbatim response of what they just said. It might be an opportunity to take a couple of seconds to pause and think again about what they should have said as opposed to what they necessarily did say. Yeah, of course, you know. you know, If someone's going to be shouting from 50 yards away, uh, Ian, at you, then you've got to deal with that. Everybody hears that in the stand, and they expect you as a referee to deal with that now whether it's a questionable offence or not and what they said but they expect you as a referee to manage that and then what we'll see then all the players saying oh this referee today is not going to tolerate that so it does if you start booking for dissent in the first say 20 minutes because the, the players then will realise this guy is not messed about with dissent today they will test you Ian how far they can push you uh, now, um, just before we let you go, Andy, I know last um, last time we spoke, you were very passionate about um, more, certainly former players getting involved in refereeing, but obviously yeah, more yeah. people taking an interest in that part of the game. There are many different parts of football. We focus on the football matches and the results, but of course, administration, even the media, things like this podcast and match reports are other areas where people can, can get involved in the game. Match officiating is, is, is quite possibly one of the most important, arguably the most important one, because if we didn't have you in the middle, we wouldn't have the game that we love. So if there are people listening to this game who are perhaps thinking of becoming a match official, or, or, or starting the coaching that um, I know the FA offers, and um, what would be your message to them? Um, if you're going to go into referee and you seriously need to consider if it's the right choice for you, because like I said, as you move up through the ele- levels, it will get tougher and tougher and tougher. The test will become tougher and tougher and tougher. So mentally, you have to be ready for it. And so, so, some people aren't ready for that, especially at a young age. I mean, there's so many young referees taking it up and then coming off because of the abuse they get from adult football, even in, even in youth football from the parents. So they need to realise, until the FA stamp all that out, how, we don't know. 
Um, but I do encourage anybody who has a passion to be a match official um, to take it up. And my thanks to Andy for his time. We move on to our upcoming fixtures, and um, we do have a bit of Les Phillips action on Tuesday the 5th of February between um, Brislington and Buckland, and there's also First Division action. It'll be interesting to see whether Cheddar can return to winning ways against Warminster. They play at home. Then looking into Wednesday the 6th of February, there are a couple of games in the Premier Division, Tom. Yeah, indeed. Uh, we've got a, got a couple of games, as you say, both 7.30 kick-offs on Wednesday. Uh, we've got Plymouth Park, they obviously coming coming off the back of their 8-0 win uh, a week before this. Uh, they take on Cadbury Heath. Uh, and then back at uh, back at Silver Street for more Willand action, uh, they host Shepton Mallet. So, yeah, two, two pretty big games on that Wednesday evening. Then moving on to Saturday the 9th of February, we've hopefully got a pretty full schedule in both the Premier Division and the uh, and the First Division. Hopefully the um, the weather won't be playing so much havoc with us. Uh, this weekend, and uh, what, what what fixture catches your eye in the Premier Division, Tom? Sounds like a bit of a, a Woodland-centric uh, podcast, but obviously their game uh, home to Bridgewater probably uh, catches the imagination uh, next Saturday more than more than most. So yeah, that probably be the, uh, the the Premier Division game I'll probably most keep my eye on. I think obviously Woodland, you, you never know, could take their eye off the ball slightly uh, league-wise if uh, yeah, if, uh, if, the, if the Vars is um, yeah, obviously. Reaching the, the the closing stages of, of that competition, but uh, and Bridgewater would be the sort of team that could catch you out. So uh, yeah, that'll be a. Been interesting, interesting fair on Saturday afternoon. And for me, the uh, the game that catches my eye is Bradford Town against Plymouth Parkway. Bradford Town have been in good form recently. Plymouth Parkway have also uh, been in good form. That Plymouth have got to go away though, and I think that's what makes this game particularly interesting. Uh, I reckon that um, and Bradford will give them a real a real go at home, and uh, I'm sure there'll be a good crowd um, there for that one. Now we move on to the first division. And um, anything um, stand out there for you, Tom? Yeah, I think the, the game that most caught my eyes was probably Calm uh, hosting Wells. Obviously, Wells proved they can do it at home, uh, beating a couple of the top, top sides uh, in recent times. So obviously, on their travels on Saturday, uh, take on Calm, who are just above them in the league, I think. So, uh, yeah, chance to chance to gain a bit of ground again on the, on the team ahead of them. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how uh, Wells get on on Saturday. Couple of choices for me. I was hesit- I, I, I very nearly went for the hometown option of whether of how Devizes Town will get on against Canesham Town. I think um, Devizes of a few months ago would probably have um, fared a little better against Canesham, but Devizes haven't been in great form of uh, of late. So um, that's a good opportunity for Canesham to extend their their good form. Um, but but also uh, another side that hasn't been in good form of late is Cheddar. We'll see this week if they can bounce back. But they've got to travel to Radstock. Radstock have been um, they've been scrapping for wins. But I've got a feeling that this will be a, a, a hotly contested game. So I think in terms of um, Somerset matches and dare I say it, Derby type games uh, that uh, Radstock Cheddar could well be the one to watch there. But that's um, what do I know? Very little, as regular listeners will, will testify to. Um, Tom, thank you very much indeed for your time. We normally go over the leagues and the goal scorers, or the leagues or the goal scorers, but on the grounds that very little happened over the last week, I don't really see a great deal of, of point um, to that. So um, I'll put you out of your misery. Thank you very much for your time. Did the, the relatively little football that happened over the last few days, did that impact on your ability to produce the uh, the bulletin? It impacted a little bit, but I managed to... Nice to cobble something together and uh, yeah pretty much uh, centering around the uh, the Bridgewater game uh, and a little couple of pieces of news and whatnot so that's yeah gone into the uh, 
step five and six section in the non-league paper. Excellent stuff. That's great, Tom. Thank you very much indeed. And I hope when we catch up this time next week, uh, we'll have plenty more football to talk about on the Talk Station. <laughs>